Voyages of Pim Better Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. Sorry that it's been about a week. I've been kind of swamped with work and life and things like that, but I'm going to try to put out a couple of podcasts before the holidays come up and before I head down to Tennessee and Kentucky where hopefully I will be coming up with some new content to record and to bring to you. So hopefully, I don't really like to mention the the podcasts that are coming out, but I'm uh, going to do it anyway. Hopefully, I will be able to put out the episode about Saigon. I also have a phone call with a couple who are living the van life in the UK, which is really cool. But today... I had Michelle Aguilar on the podcast. She is a thru-hiker of the Appalachian Trail. That's something that I've kind of thought about doing. I really admire people that do it. Um, I'm kind of breaking that rule that I'm constantly talking about here in the just go for it and break out of the you know, mundane sort of nine-to-five lifestyle. Um, but it's hard to take the six months off from work. So yeah, I'm being a hypocrite. So I haven't done it, and this is ridiculous, but I mentioned the Black Bear story when I had my friend Derek on the podcast, and that has scarred me, and I'm petrified. I've been camping a number of times since that incident, and I like lay awake for a while at night thinking is that every you know little creak and groan that I hear from outside is a black bear coming to eat my face. So um, not sure if I'm ready yet for the trail. <laughs> But Michelle was here to share her amazing stories, and uh, she was a great guest. So I hope you like that. I have a couple other cool things planned. There is a really fascinating woman named Sally Frischberg who spoke at a school I was working at a few years ago. She is a Holocaust survivor. I recently reached out to her because her story is it's heart-wrenching, um, but it's amazing at the same time. And I think, fingers crossed, I think I'm going to be able to have her on the podcast and hopefully she's going to be here in person. It's just, uh, it's a lot easier to have a conversation in person with, uh, with Bailey and with Michelle. Like as soon as I finished, I'm like, ah, oh, I should have asked that too. And I should have asked that one. Um, those podcasts ended a little more quickly than the in-person podcasts do. And it just feels a little, it's easier to flow with somebody in person. But, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still trying to get the hang of this. I really, really, really appreciate, I say this every time, so I'm sorry. You could just fast forward through this. But I really appreciate everyone that's been helping me out. Everyone that gives me advice. Everyone that gives me feedback. Um, I forget, what was I saying? I got feedback. Oh, when Bailey was on, I got feedback that I said awesome after everything. Um, I think in this one with Michelle, I said wow a lot. So I'm trying to be more conscious of those things. Thank you for that feedback. Uh, thank you for everyone who has said yes to coming on the podcast. And also thank you to the people who say no. Um, I've, I've really reached out to a lot of people and a lot of people do not respond. And you know, why should they if they don't know who I am? But... Um, I do appreciate when people write back, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm too busy, you know, good luck and all that stuff. So, all right, I'm going to stop yapping. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Michelle. I will catch you next time. Brian, cue my music.
Today, I am here with Michelle Aguilar, and you are a thru-hiker of the Appalachian Trail. Is that correct? That's right. Now, what distinguishes a thru-hiker is somebody who does the whole trail in one shot rather than piece by piece, right? Exactly. All right, so how about you? we kind of take this um, like in a linear format. When did you decide to do this? Well, about two years ago, um, I was sitting at work, bored out of my mind, and my boyfriend texted me, and he's like, hey, do you want to hike the Appalachian Trail? I'm like, yeah, for sure. But at the time, I was at school, and I had to graduate this past May, so we had to wait till then. And there really wasn't like a, like a big decision or anything for me. Like, I, I really knew that I wanted to do it. Like, I, didn't, I wasn't ready to become an adult just yet. So I was like, yeah, this is definitely something I need to kind of like walk it off and, you know, think about what I'm going to do. And yeah, that's how it started off. Had you done much camping prior to doing the Appalachian Trail? Actually, no. Wow. Um, my boyfriend again introduced me to it, and um, we went maybe a handful of times, like overnight camping, and it was only for like a night, no more than a night. Wow. And um, yeah, so I was not very prepared. <laughs> like when I started buying my gear, it was like maybe a couple of months before I left for the trail just because I was like doing research and trying to figure out what I was doing. Um, so yeah, I wasn't too prepared, but I did find that like, there was a, half of my, half of the hikers that were on the trail had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> Hadn't gone out for more than a night, basically. Wow. And um, I feel like that actually helps some people because I feel like some people have these big ideas about what the trail is gonna be like and they, you know, they, hike every day or try to train for it but there really isn't like you really don't know what you're doing until you're there so those people that maybe have no experience you're just kind of going with the flow like okay this is okay this sucks maybe this is how it is so maybe that helps a little bit just trying to finish it and hiking every day yeah that's an interesting perspective because i've heard of people who do like training right like trail training and things like that before they go mm -hmm, yeah and i mean you can turn all you can but once you start, it's a whole different story, I think. So then in, in terms of knowing what to bring and what to pack, did you just look at blogs and, and other people who had hiked it before? Yeah, pretty much. Just research all day only, trying to figure out what you know works best, what's the lightest thing. Um, that was it. So what types of things did you bring with you? Um, there was, you know, the main thing for food, which... I guess that way the most. Um, clothes, I only had one pair of clothes with me, like one shirt and one short. At the beginning, of though, I did have like, a couple more things, just because I had no idea what I was doing. So I was being like, yeah, t-shirts and shorts and a pair of leggings and like two pairs of socks. For the end of it, you realize you don't really need that much stuff. Um, although we did carry really random things at some point, um, for example, my boyfriend's name on the trail was nicknamed um, El Auto, which means the car in Spanish. And the reason he got that was because he had a license plate with him. So, um, another thing we carried around was uh, Game Boy Colors for a while. Hmm. We got kind of bored one day. We were like, let's just take Game Boy and go on the trail and hike with them. They were actually pretty fun, but we didn't really have much time to play with them. 
Uh, now I'm just kind of giving you like the random stuff that we brought on the shelf, obviously. Um, we carried a kite, or he did, carried a kite for quite a while. Um, but other than that, as you can imagine, it's basically like food, water, that's about it. And did, just like the pair closer went every single day. Did you mail things to yourself along the way? I did not. Um, we didn't have much of a schedule, so I didn't want to plan it out as much. Um, we just said we were going to finish in six months, and let's not limit ourselves to where we're going to be when, when and where and whatnot. Um, so we didn't really know ourselves too many things. Um, okay. I think there was only one time my friend sent me like a care package, but it took a while to get that even delivered just because I had no idea where I was going to be, you know, the following week. Right. So. What was your uh, trail name? Chili Pepper. Chili Pepper. <laughs> How did you get that? <laughs> I'm originally from Chile. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of just came that simple. So it took you six months. Did you start in the South? No, what we did um, is something called a flip flop. Now, the flip-flop, for most people that do the flip-flop, start in Harper's Ferry, which is in West Virginia. Okay. So, we took, we're, we live in Georgia, so we took a train up to Harper's Ferry, and then we started hiking up north to Maine, where the trail ends. So, we started Harper's Ferry, uh, hiked all the way up and then took a bus back to Harper's Ferry and hiked south to Georgia. Oh, wow. So we, you know, we did the whole trail, but we just split it in half. Because I was going to graduate in May, we didn't have uh, much time left, so we didn't want to start in Georgia because it would be pushing it on time. We would have to really rush it. Um, so we decided to flip-flop, which gave us the opportunity to really enjoy the weather. Um, you know, chasing the summer north and the fallen south, which helped a lot. Because we would have gotten stuck in the snow or had a really crappy weather. So you you were able to avoid the snow? Yeah, pretty much. And you're saying that you hiked this after you graduated, so you just finished? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I think, what's the date today? The 20th? 21? Yeah, we finished it about, about a month ago. What's it like getting reacclimated to like n- normal life after this? The life after this is kind of hard. Um, you know, you you're in the woods for such a long time without really any uh, crowds, transportation. It's just so much simpler out there that when you get back, it's chaotic almost. So getting in the car for the first time or driving for the first time, that was terrifying. Because <laughs> I hadn't driven in six months, and I, I swear I was, like, going under the limit, the speed limit, because I was too so scared. <laughs> right. Um, crowds are um, a little intense sometimes, too, because you're not, you know, you're not used to being around so many people. Uh, we went to New York City one day on the trail, and it was, like, sense overload. Oh, wow. And I was like, I, I don't know if I could ever come back to, you know, like New York City and places like that just because it's so chaotic. But now I'm used to it. Now I'm like, okay, like it's been a month. Um, I don't have the hunger, the hiker, hiker hunger anymore. I can drive on my own. 
it's, it's okay now, but it was a little hard getting back to the normal life. You touched on something. Like, every day. Sorry about that. You you touched on something that I wanted to bring up. So um, obviously, I've not hiked the trail. Um, I read about it in Bill Bryson's book, A Walk in the Woods, and then I read uh, read and saw the movie for Wild, which is the Pacific Crest Trail. But in both of those, they talked about kind of the luxury of a day off the trail where you get to have like cheeseburgers and Coke and things like that to like replenish all your calories. Um, how often did you do something like that? <laughs> That's a really funny question, actually, because we did do it a lot. <laughs> Um, it helped that we saved enough money and that we had enough time to do because we had no deadline. So we were, you know, we wanted to finish in six months, but there are a lot of people out there that need to finish sooner than that so they can't take the pleasure of taking that many zeros is what we call them. Um, so when we were up in Maine, like New Hampshire and Maine, it was really hard. Some, some days, more hard than others. So we started taking a couple zeros, like every now and then. Um, but it was like at least once a week we were taking zeros just because we were like, it was hard, let's not hike. And another place that we take of taking zeros is just meeting the people of the town or going all to all these different hostels. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I would say we probably took about a month of zeros of off days. Oh, wow. This was awesome. Like, if you ever do the trail, have the luxury to spend money and the luxury of, you know, spending a long time if you want to, um, like, take a lot of zeros. Why not? <laughs> yeah, sure. The whole, po- the whole point of hiking the trail is to experience things that you want to, you know, you want to see other people want to finish it quickly. For us, it was mostly, like, we want to see what it's all about. We want to go to different places. You know, I've never been to some of the states, like Pennsylvania or Jersey or, or whatever. So I really wanted to, like, visit each city and kind of learn about it. Right. So, so. Wow. Um, were there any points when you were, you were talking about uh, hiker hunger? Were there any points when you were on the trail where you were close to running out of food or you ran out of food? Yes. Um... We were in the 100-mile wilderness when that happened. Whoa. Uh, yeah, that was kind of rough because most of the trail you can get off and get food within, like, one or two days. Or if you really want to, you can get up to four days of food or whatever you prefer. But you can hit a town every couple of days. There's no problem running out of food. But in the 100-mile wilderness, you're out in the woods. <laughs> It's called wilderness because there's no roads, there's no cities or towns in between it. So you have to bring food for at least five to six days. Meaning you have to do about 20 miles every day. We did not calculate this correctly. (laughs) And we ended up eating most of our food the first day. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, we didn't eat most of it, but like we ate a big chunk of our food that first day. And um, like towards the end of it, we had to actually go into town like a day sooner, which meant that we had to do like bigger mileages because we were running out of food. We had like maybe two bars of snacks a day and then like one dinner that we shared. So wow. That was like the last three, two or three days of the 100 mile wilderness. It was a little rough. Wow. We made it. <laughs> what state is the, what state's the 100 mile wilderness in? 
I'm sorry? What state is that when you're talking about the 100-mile wilderness? That's in Maine. Oh, okay. Right before you hit Katata. Wow. So we're, I guess like everyone sort of thinks of this, but what were there other points where there were scary moments on the trail? Uh, yeah, there was a lot. I mean, <laughs> many. No, I don't think there was many. The only one that I'm thinking about right now is the one when, the one time I actually feared for my life was when we were in Andover, Maine, I think it was. And we were staying at a hostel, and uh, there was an abandoned, like, plane landing strip right behind it. And I remember that night, uh, there was supposed to be, like, a lot of shooting stars. Or and we ended up going to the abandoned landing strip just to go see the stars. So we lay there on the grass, like, looking up and seeing all these amazing, like, sh- shooting stars. And all of a sudden, we hear, like, this loud growl. <gasps> what is that? So we point our flashlights into the woods and there's like these big yellow eyes just staring back. Um, and so we ran, it, ran out of there, but I was kind of scared for my life because it was stalking us and just staring us down. And I was like, what's going to happen? What was it? Tonight. <laughs> um, but that was the only time. Wait, so what, was it a bear? It was a mountain lion, I think. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they... I mean, they said they don't exist in that area, but I think it was a mountain because, you know, I had the eyes. Wow. Yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> yeah. Another time, we were night hiking, and all of a sudden, we hear, like, this eerie music in the distance, and it's the middle of the night. So we were night hiking, and um, it's, like, maybe 2 a.m., and all of a sudden, we hear this eerie music like far away and the more we hike the louder and louder it gets and it's like this creepy 50s I don't even know like old old and it just gets louder and louder and louder and we're like where's it coming from like we're in the woods there's no who it was like we just hiked away hopefully that they weren't killing anyone or you know doing some so you never found out where it was coming from nope wow we just hiked on that is creepy (laughs) I was actually like I wasn't even gonna ask but I was thinking about that like people are probably scarier than coming across animals. Like if there's someone that's trying to just like live outside of society on the trail or something like that, like you, yeah. and you're so far away from help. Yeah. <laughs> no one can hear my screams out here. <laughs> <laughs> there were times where I would listen to murder podcasts and I had to stop. Oh my God. I'm hiding by myself. I should not be listening to this. <laughs> So I was going to ask too, I guess for something like that, it's good to have a, a companion on the trail, right? Uh, I mean, I was lucky enough to go with my boyfriend and it was great hiking together, but I don't think you necessarily need to hike with someone else. It's pretty safe. Okay. And every day on the trail, you still see other people. Like you're not completely out there by yourself. And a lot of people start families. Well, I'm sure if you get lonely, like there's other people that are lonely as well. So they start hiking together and you form this, you know, um, this family where you're hiking for miles and miles together just because you like each other, you like the way you hike. So a lot of people don't don't choose to really hike alone. 
they don't want to, they have the option to hiking with other people. So did, be safe. did you guys do that or did you meet anybody that um, you remained in touch with since coming home? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of people that we met on the trail that, you know, hiked for a week, even two months, three months. Um, at the beginning, it was a little hard just because we started in the middle. And on, by that point, everybody was way faster than us and hiking way more miles. Um, so when we were, when we got our hiking legs, that's when we kind of started forming a family. We were able to form a family just because we were, like, at everybody else's pace already. Right. Um, and yeah, we hiked with one guy for like three or four months. Oh, wow. Same with Spider. <laughs> we hiked all through the south to Georgia with him and a little bit to the north. So you, you do become really close to some people out there. Oh, very cool. Um, any injuries on the trail? Uh, in, what was it? It was in Hampshire. We were going into the whites, and I think it was like the first day that we were going into the whites. I slipped and fell on my, um, I fell on my back. Wow. And just hurt my tailbone as I fell down as well. And I remember just sitting there like, did I just break my tailbone? Oh my God. I was like, no, it's okay, it's okay. So I just started walking again, hiking. And every step I took, it was just agony. I could not walk any further. So I just sat on the trail, waited for a little bit. Um, one of the guys we were hiking with, Spielberg, he sat with me for like a couple hours while I cried and like, oh, I'll make it. Um, and I ended up just continue hiking on. And it went away eventually. <laughs> I just hope nothing broke, but that was the only big major injury I had. Um, other than that, it was just ankle rolls almost daily. <laughs> oh, wow. So what would happen in a case like that? Let's say you were actually seriously injured. I'm assuming in a lot of spots there's like no cell reception or do you have like a flare gun or something? Yeah, and that's depending where you are as well. Luckily, where I was, we were maybe seven miles away from a town. So if I really needed to, I could have come, back, come down the mountain. Um but there's a lot of service roads and uh, like if you really get so you probably need to get a helicopter to go and help you. Oh wow. Uh, but most people make it. I mean, there's, there, it's very rare for you to be stuck somewhere where you can't get any help. There's usually other hikers that are willing to help you. Sometimes you may have self-service. If you don't, you're just gonna have to figure it out, but I think it's really rare for someone to actually get, um, you know, like emergency help like that where a helicopter has to come and save you. Okay. Do you know anything about the percentage of people that attempt a through-hike and finish it? Because I'm assuming that probably most people try and don't finish. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 20% that finish it. Oh, wow. I think. I would have to look that up, but I think it was 20%. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Do you have any aspirations to to do the Pacific Trail or to do this anywhere else? Or maybe even I've heard of people who've hiked like the, the length of Chile, like you were saying you're from. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely 
in the plans. Oh, wow. Uh, hopefully by 2018, we'll be on the PCT. Oh, wow. Um, or in another two years, we'll see. Definitely want to do the CDT. Um, yeah, it gets addicting. Once you, once you do one trail, you definitely want to do the rest. Can't get enough. So this, I'm assuming this podcast is going to become incredibly successful. So that means in 2018, I'll have you back on to talk about the Pacific Crest Trail. For sure. <laughs> um, I did want to ask if there were any, um, how do I say, like any sort of lessons or wisdom that you acquired from hiking the trail, anything that you're able to take with you that impacts your life or the way you deal with people or jobs or nature or anything like that? Um, I would say help others. Hmm. Uh, that was one of the best things about the trail community, how much people are willing to help you. You know, you meet someone one day and the next day they're taking you into their house for a hot meal just because you're a through hiker. Um, there's a lot of people that are willing to just give you so much just because you're hiking. And all they're asking for is, you know, do this to someone else. That's all they ask. Like, if I help you today, go help someone else tomorrow. Or I give you this today, give someone else, you know, something that they need. So I think that really um, inspired me to, I guess, help more people. That's what I want to do next or this coming uh, hiking season. We want to go out and do some trail magic just because we got so much of it. Mm. Um, people are so nice, like, on the trail of <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like there's almost a whole community built around it. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I even heard that if you start in Georgia, you're going to hit trail magic almost every day because so many people are willing to help those, like, those first hikers coming into Georgia. Um, so, like, every day you'll hit, you know, trail magic by a road by getting cokes and beer and uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, all kinds of trail magic. Wow, that's awesome. But there's a lot of people out there wanting to help you out. So you recently finished college, so you're like 22, 23? 23. Okay. And you're saying that you have aspirations to do some more trails and things like that. What are you... Are you thinking about a career? Is that on your radar? I mean, you've got plenty of time, but the reason I ask is because one of the themes I've been exploring on here is that um, I'm 30 and I just, I know a lot of people who, you know, work the office type of job and a lot of people are getting married and just kind of getting caught in the, the type of a lifestyle that you're told that you're supposed to take part in. Um, and there's a lot of people I know now that are thinking like, well, well, how can I break out of this cycle? Um, so are you, is, are you looking to join that way of life or are you going to try to, um, to hike for a while? Like what are your, your goals? I definitely don't want to join that (laughs) right now. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I never saw myself with, you know, like that normal life. I've always wanted to go out and travel and do different things. Um, so for now, I'm kind of just working to the next adventure kind of thing. Okay. For a while, make some money, save up, and go on the next trail. Um, 
with a career, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not really looking to have something like serious, like a serious job. I would like to make money by doing something creative. Mm. If that happens, that'd be cool. But in the meantime, it's all about just staying up till the next trail, next adventure. So then would you, let's say, you have a 25-year-old, just finished grad school, and is thinking, you know, I want some adventure, I want to do something like hiking the Appalachian Trail. Do you have any advice for someone like that who is in a, like a similar situation to yourself where they weren't very experienced, but they wanted to, you know, have this amazing life experience? Like, what's the, what's the jumping off point? What's the first step they should take? Yeah, don't overthink it. Just do it. Um, save out money, you know, save out money so that you're, you know, you're able to do what you want to do and as a safety net as well, but I say just do it. I mean, don't overthink it because if you, there's other things in life you want to do that you don't want to, there's always, I don't know how to say this. Sorry, I kind of messed up the talk just now. No, it's okay. I'm not the greatest at giving advice. <laughs> um, no, I think what you said makes sense. So, like, yeah, like with like other than just do it, just like if there's there's nothing to lose, I guess there's nothing to lose. If you don't have a kid, if you don't have a family, you know, if you're a young person, just and you don't want to work or I don't know how to explain it. It's just... No, you're you're saying the same thing like that. So everyone I've had on so far, I've asked the same thing. And and you're saying the same thing. It's basically like, just take the plunge. Just take take the first step. Like, throw yourself into it so that like, there's there's no turning back at this point. You know, make make the drive to Georgia, bring the pack and and, and just go, just start. And amazing things happen when you just take that leap of faith. Exactly. Um, The last thing I want to ask you was, did you um, did you write at all or journal or, or take a lot of photos and things like that? I did take a lot of pictures. Um, I brought my big camera with me. <laughs> took a lot of pictures. Um, and then I did carry around like a little journal with me, which I wrote every other day or so when I wasn't too tired to write. So. Do you have... Is that just for you, or are you are you gonna try to do something with that? Yeah, that was that was just for me. Okay. I don't think I'll do anything with it because I'm not the best writer. I don't think so. It was just more to look back and read on just for memory. Okay. So I will share as long as you're cool with it. I'll share your Instagram in the show notes. That is where I found you. Um, is there anywhere else people could find you? Do, do you have anything written online or anything like that about your experiences on the trail? Um, working on a website right now, which is michelleaguilar.net. Okay. That com was already taken, but <laughs> <laughs> just working on that right now um, and Instagram. Okay, cool. So I'll put that up as well. Um, well, thank you. You are the first person I've ever talked to who has walked the whole length of the trail, and I think that's uh, really admirable. And I think that your message kind of matches up with the message that we've been trying to spread on here. So uh, I appreciate you for that. Do you have any last words for the people out there? Or anything to say? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I just want to say, if, you know, if you have a dream, just go for it. 
save up money and do it, do the trail. It was the best experience of my life. I will definitely do it again, even though it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, all right. Thanks so much. No problem.